Gary Bay Nerd Chuck, host of Wine Library TV, a.k.a. WLTV, and this is BBQ Central. We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you want to get in touch with the show this evening, if you have an email question you would like to get off to me but don't know the email address, let me help you out with that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up first in that first ever so coveted interview segment in about 12 minutes from now, it is the third week of the month. And we know what happens when the third week of the month rolls around. Of course, we get a visit from multiple time, if not the most successful and prolific author when it comes to live fire, barbecue, grilling, coals, smoke, wood, all of that, all encompassing. He is a cooking class instructor. He is a TV show host on top of all of that. Stephen Reichlin will be joining us, Barbecue Bible. And then 35 past the hour. We'll be joined by a guy who has been on the show a few different times. We've had a number of really good barbecue and grilling-related conversations. This coming weekend, believe it or not, the Houston Livestock and Rodeo slash barbecue competition will be taking place. Last year, he was first in ribs, believe it or not. He is the vice president of head country. Paul Shoddy will be joining me. And we'll talk to him about what it looks like from a competition setup this coming weekend. What his shot of winning the Houston Livestock and Rodeo might be. The overall hype of the event. So looking forward to catching up with Paul. Then we'll move to the second hour. I am always humbled and looking forward to this barbecue conversation when he comes on. He is and well, he is a barbecue editor for Texas Monthly Barbecue, but before it all became way too popular and everybody wanted to have one, he was the very first 
full-time barbecue editor in this country, thanks to Texas Monthly, we will be joined by none other than the world's very first barbecue editor, Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly Barbecue. And then to close out the show, we will be joined by a fellow named Brad Taylor. He is from Barbecue for Life, BBQ, the numeral four life. .net is his website. That's a restaurant website. And if you are a fan of the show, if you diligently follow the live feed, or if you are a subscriber on podcast, you know I did a story about Brad. I don't know if I used his name last week or not. But this was the guy who had his likeness kind of ripped from Dickie's Barbecue Pit. I was able to track him down thanks to friend of the show, John Dawson, out of Boise, Idaho which is where Brad is from as well. And we'll talk to him about that whole situation. And there is quite the story that goes on about what happened originally and perhaps how it's all been rectified since that initial reporting. So that's what you have to look forward to here in this show. Stephen Reichlin in about 10 minutes. Paul Shoddy after that. Second hour, Daniel Vaughn, Texas Monthly Barbecue. Brad Taylor helping me close out the show. All right, I want to mention this first before I run out of time. This is typically where I tell you to make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. I'll get to uh, get to that here in a second. But aside from the Houston Livestock and Rodeo, this weekend also is going to be the re-unveiling or a new year of start for the Smithfield Guinea Pig Competition. This one, near and dear to a lot of competitive barbecuers, especially on the West Coast, or if you happen to know Matt Dalton when he was out there competing before he passed away in a very untimely fashion. That competition is going to be taking place this coming weekend. Now, you know me, when it comes to the guinea pig contest, I love the concept. I know some people feel like they want to bring their own meat to a competition. And hey, if that's your thing, then the guinea pig is not your style of event. However, if you're looking to get into competition barbecue, you don't want to spend a boatload of cash to try it out. If you take part in a guinea pig style, and there are not a lot of these competitions around, maybe four this year. Got one over in California. I think they're going to do another one in Virginia. There might be a few in the center portion of the country, although I do not have confirmation of that yet. But, I think it's 400 or 450 bucks. All meat is supplied. Everybody's on that level playing field. So you have to be able to show your pitmaster skills. But it pays deep, 10 deep overall, 10 deep through categories. So it's really providing incentive for people to get out there on a the competition scene if it's something that they have often thought about doing. But as they do their due diligence and find out what the cost of it is or what people are recommending they get or purchase in order to be competitive right off of the bat. People might get a little bit of a sticker shock as far as that's concerned and go, eh, maybe competition barbecue isn't for me. Hey, I'm the host. I've always railed against competition barbecue. I've always said that's not for me for various reasons. You can go back through the annals of the show and hear why I think that. Although I have no trouble interviewing those pit masters who do very well on the competition circuit. I love doing that. That's why the show is so great. Because people will come on and talk to me about why they're competing and how they're competing and why they're winning. 
But in this instance, this Smithfield guinea pig event is really good because it does control costs. So again, if it's a first time or a second time out, you don't want to feel like you have to break the bank in order to be competitive or at least to get a chance of sniffing a win or a category call or both, then this is an event that you're going to want to try and seek out or pay attention to. So congratulations again to Sterling Ball, Big Papa Smokers, everybody there at that team, Smithfield, for getting on board with this and doing a sponsorship and doing that cost-controlled event, making it into another year. And if you talk to Sterling Ball about it, you know, it's not a money maker, that's for sure. Hard to put on, hard to get people behind it. But once you do it, you realize that, A, this isn't just a competition for beginners. Savvy vets are signing up for this because they realize the payout. I think it's something like 60% of teams that show up for this because it is capped at a certain number as well are walking away with a check. Very cool concept. One that I thought would be catching on perhaps a little bit more, but you know, Barbecuers very ardent in their ways, not really liking the change, want to have control of everything, so they don't like the fact that, uh, well, not everybody doesn't like it, but some don't like the fact that meats are provided for you, all that good stuff. So, once again, congratulations to Sterling Ball for unveiling yet another guinea pig, Smithfield guinea pig, this one, the Matt Dalton Memorial. So, uh, shout out to Matt as well. Uh, We miss you every day, buddy. Now, Reaction to the Justin Margus throwing the Rectech grill off his back patio was nothing short of insanely popular over the last week. Many requests flooding into my email box asking me to forward the video, which has been taken off of social media. But of course, as we all know, once it is on social media for even a half a second, if somebody thought it was cool, they've either screenshotted it or screenshotted it. They took a screenshot of it, or they've recorded it on their phone, and now it is up there forever. He wrote me an email and said, hey, Greg, I'm sending you this email in reference to the video about me chucking that China crap into my yard after it almost burned down my home. Just to clarify the 6 out of 10 rating, I considered a Weber Kettle 9 out of 10. 6 is also my opinion after one use, several uses later, I had become more disgusted with it, as you can see in the video. I was even prepared to douse with a fire extinguisher. Admittedly, I had a few scotches that night. For some reason, it's like truth serum for me, and Facebook seems like a good place to vent. Not the wisest thing to do as a professional barbecuer. I value feedback on my products also. I contacted the Rectech rep that I received the grill from, and he told me that the problems didn't seem to really care about. I said if Rectech wanted to hire me for some research and development, I'd be happy to help in that regard. His exact response was, nah, we're good. Left it at that. So... To get through the email, he paid like a quarter from the uh, dealer who wouldn't want to take any money anyway originally. But uh, So he technically did purchase. And he's quite the uh, good competitive barbecuer as well. Won the Houston Rodeo Chicken Division two years in a row. So appreciate Justin for writing in and clarifying a little bit in that regard. Sure, he'll be cooking this coming weekend at the Houston. So good luck to you, Justin. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the newest sponsor of this show, Traeger Grills. Happy to have them aboard. Maybe you saw my man Chad Ward on the newest Dan Patrick and the Danettes commercial where they were at a golf course. Chad was cooking up some tri-tip on that Timberline 850. Then Dan got in a little swing work 
with some really popular swing golf coach person who I don't really know anything about golf myself. But here it is, right? Timberline is a higher-end model. There's the uh, 850 and the 1350 or 1300, I believe, and then you have a pro line, which is a little less expensive, something maybe a little bit more for the backyard warrior that is only cooking a handful of times a month or less, and you're trying to find that good medium between economy and quality. That's the pro series for sure. Then you have the Timberline, as we talked about, kind of that higher end. Really unique in engineering, unique in size, unique in connectability to cloud-based services. If you're looking to step up the pellet game, this is a line of cookers that you're definitely going to want to take a look at. Capacity is outstanding on both. Performance is outstanding on both. And for the price, getting a lot of features, benefits, bells and whistles, if you will, and convenience of pellet cooking it is real wood so you can mix around with flavor pellets if you want to to find that distinct flavor profile that fits your palate your family's palate you can be the king of the cul-de-sac and of course if you're in competition barbecue they're doing very well on the competition circuit as well how can you get yours great question go to traegergrills.com that's traegergrills.com look for them expositioning in many different places, not just live fire. They'll be at NBBQA, which I will be at the middle of next month as well. They will also be at Hearth Patio and Barbecue here in a couple weeks in, where is that? It is in Tennessee, I believe. Uh, why can't I think of it? You know, where the music, yeah, music Tennessee. Anyway, BNA, that's what I, all right. Hey, we're back with Stephen Reichland right after this. Stick around, I'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, this portion of the show is being brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauces, and grilling oils. Have you tried the grilling oils? Oh, come on now. All the Butcher's Barbecue products tested on the competition circuit as well as in the backyards throughout this country and worldwide. Be the pitmaster and the king of the cul-de-sac in your neighborhood. Visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up right now. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. By the way, the name of the city that I was trying to think of, Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you. Thank you, Raleigh Smoke, for that. All right, my first guest is seen right here each third Tuesday of the month. He is a 2015 Barbecue Hall of Famer. He is a TV show host. He is a barbecue cooking class instructor, a multiple-time author, perhaps the most prolific live-fire cooking and grilling author that we have ever seen in our lifetime. We race to the hotline and welcome back friend of this show, Stephen Reichland, joining me. Stephen, how are you, buddy? Good, Greg. How about you? Absolutely fabulous. And I know, uh, unlike most times where we find you relaxing in Casa de Reichland, you are on location this time shooting Project Fire, correct? That's right. We just arrived at the beautiful Alisol Guest Ranch in Solvang, California. And uh, we'll be here for the next 10 days shooting uh, the first season of the new series. 
From a high level, Stephen, what is Project Fire TV shoot going to be exploring or covering versus some of the other shows that you've done in the past? Well, Project Smoke obviously focused solely on smoking. Project Fire, we're moving back to grilling, which, of course, is how I started in this business and has always been an abiding interest of mine. We'll continue to do some smoking, but we're really focusing uh, on live fire and all of its manifestations. Also, brand new this year, we are uh, introducing a series of field trips. So we're going to be shooting on location uh, in the Santa Inez Valley where the Alisal Ranch is. Uh, we're shooting in Los Angeles. Uh, we'll have guests come on the show. Uh, there'll be a wine component. We'll be discussing wines and how they relate to barbecue. We'll be having guest chefs and uh, visiting some of my all-time favorite restaurants on the West Coast. What is the all-time favorite West Coast restaurant? Is it uh, is it George's or uh, you know somewhere along these lines? Uh, you know, um, we have identified five in Los Angeles, and uh, I, I want to keep them under wraps uh-huh. until the show comes out. But let us just say that uh, three of them have wood-burning grills. One of them has made charcoal. Uh, kind of the focal point of the kitchen and an, uh, an almost a fetish of the dining room. Uh, you're going to see live fire used on foods you never dreamt you could uh, grill. You're going to see the biggest pork chop on in the whole of Planet Barbecue. Uh, really excited about that aspect of the show. How big is the biggest pork chop in pounds? Uh, well, um, if you imagine a cross-section of a hog, and it starts at the spine, it ends in the belly, but that's one serving connected by one bone. That's what we're talking about. Holy moly. That's a big bo- exactly. that's, that's a big chop. Hey, hey, this is Project Fire, man. This is uh, barbecue bigger than life. That's right. Here we go. Um, when you're supporting uh, a book with a, with a TV show or trying to capture the essence of the book uh, via the television show, obviously you can't do every single recipe and... So how do you go through and uh, decide? Greg, you yes. faded there for a minute. You there? Yes. Can you hear me? Uh, you just faded out. Hello. Hello? Uh, I, I can hear you. Can okay. you hear me? Yep. Gotcha. No problem. Um, when you're shooting this show and it's Project Fire, so we're, again, in support of the book, When you can't do every single recipe, of course. How do you go through and decide these are the ones that we're going to show on television that you feel they're kind of best giving the the best representation of the work? You know, um, that is, I'm glad you asked that question because that is the single hardest thing about the show Mm -hmm. is deciding what to keep and what, what not to do. Now, happily, we plan for this to be a many season series. So whatever I didn't get to this year will uh, fit in next year, but it's a fairly complex formula. Uh, I mean, I'm theming the shows, you know, the episodes uh, are built on themes uh, one theme is on Southern California. One theme is on uh, grilling from a vineyard. Uh, one theme is on seafood. Uh, we've got a show called uh, Barbecue 24-7, which starts with breakfast and ends with a late-night snack. So to some extent, the themes of the show dictate which recipes I'm going to use. But, you know, there's also, I mean, you know, if you've watched Project Smoke, that uh, I I try and demonstrate as many different grills and smokers as possible. So you've got to pick the right dishes to match up for the right cookers, to match up for the right kind of fuel. 
Uh, ideally, you want a meal that sort of makes sense and would be something pleasant to eat. Plus, we've got to mesh with the, uh, you know, our, our, our guests and with the field pieces. So uh, the, um, the short answer to your question is uh, I make lists, I scratch them out, I make more lists, I scratch them out, and it's a, it's a real intricate uh, puzzle to, uh, to come up with the final roster. Ultimately, is it your call? What makes it, or do you submit whatever your final idea is, and then it gets passed up to somebody else that decides what's going to be cooked? No, actually, the buck uh, the buck stops here. Um, you know, however, uh, I will say that this is a collaborative effort. You know, and if you've watched the show, I mean, you know, Chef, you know, Nora, our stylist, uh, you know, Matt, our producer. So, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we're all discussing the choices and what makes sense and. You know, Chris has to worry about what shipments are going to come in and can he get the, the spiny lobsters on such and such a day. So that is there's to it, but the final choice resides with me. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show, barbecuebible.com. His website, of course, is uh, what's the website for the television show? Is it different than, is it projectfire.org or .com or something like that? Yeah, I imagine, I imagine it would be Project Fire. We haven't set up the website yet. The show's going to launch Memorial Day weekend, so uh, we still have a little bit of time for that. But, you know, you can find out details on barbecuebible.com. When you talk about Southern California barbecue, that is inherently, as you would think of, brisket or sausage with Texas, pork with the Carolinas, tri-tip comes to mind when you talk about that uh, Southern California style of barbecue, if that even, I guess, people would decide to argue if it's barbecue or not. I think it is because that's kind of that region or what that area is known for. Do you do kind of that uh, prototypical tri-tip recipe with the red oak and the pinquito beans and all that good stuff? You tri-tip will be on the show. Uh We'll also do grilled artichokes, which are mm. a, a slightly lesser known, you know, but, I mean, very much equally a part of, uh, of the grilling of, uh, of this part, part of California. Artichokes? Um, artichokes, well, sure. Gilmore, wow. 90% of the uh, America's artichokes come from Gilmore, California, wow. which is uh, very close to here. And uh, grilled artichokes, you know, it's funny, I was working on my... Um, on my scripts and my intros today, and I was sort of trying to trying to remember. Well, the first time I had grilled artichoke was at Walt's Wharf in Seal Beach, California. But then I had it shortly thereafter in the Napa Valley, uh, and I've had it, you know, in, in the grilled artichokes in Los Angeles. So I mean, maybe one of those great ideas that sprang up in many places at once. Stephen, when the show concludes on television. Have you found that, you know, each season there's already talks for another season or is it an instance where the season has to come to a close first, certain things are evaluated, and then there is talk of doing something else? How does the, the business end work? Steven? Yes, I'm here. Oh. I heard that, but I heard you. Okay, no, yeah, you're uh, fading uh, out just a little bit. Yeah, we're we're in a pretty remote area. It's uh, gorgeous if you, uh, <laughs> you know, the uh, the ranch is in the middle of uh, it's a ten thousand acre horse ranch, but it's uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere. So uh, the um, internet and cell service are a little spotty. But gotcha. anyway, to answer your question, yes, we're already thinking about season two. 
Oh, great. All right. Um, so yeah. from a, uh, obviously there's a financial portion that has to be done here to, to get these shows on television is, do you have like yeah. a, or a, does the TV station or whoever the production company go out and solicit sponsors? Is that something that you are actively and personally taking a, a responsibility in and trying to, to press that? How does that portion work? It's a team effort. And, uh, you know, uh, some of our team have expertise in some fields. I have expertise in other uh, fields. But, you know, if you remember from Project Smoke, uh, we saw those behind-the-scenes uh, spots in between the recipes where you see the crew working together. That was very deliberate because a lot of teachers watch me get the impression that there was one guy or gal on the set, and that's all there is to the TV show. But there are 20 people working here day and night for months to make the show happen. And uh, that's very that's true of fundraising. It's true of the production. It's true of uh, everything that happens with the show. Stephen, how do you view yourself as a host now, as you enter in and starting to shoot Project Fire, versus that guy that was on PBS doing Barbecue University, kind of where actually I was first introduced to Stephen Reichlin and that whole deal when you were shooting at the Green Buyer back in the day. How do you compare and contrast you as a host then and now? Well, uh, back then, I was absolutely terrified. Uh, it was, it was a, a, a very difficult, awful experience. And I, the minute the cameras went on, I froze up. And, uh, and now, you know, I've done it enough to, uh, I, I feel more comfortable in front of the camera. I sort of understand more how the show goes together. I mean, it's even a funny thing, but when I'm cutting or tying or seasoning, I'm thinking about how the camera's going to fall in my hand. So we have something that we call snaking, where if you start at the top and you come across the row, then you snake back to the second row, then you snake to the third row. And to do that, for that camera that's following your fingers very closely, it made it easy for them to do their job. Uh, so... Um, you know, I, I, I would say that you know, pra- with practice, you get a lot more comfortable. You know, it's some. It, for me, it was very unnatural to be in front of a camera. Um, another difference is that I'm first and foremost a writer. You know, and uh, for many years, writing books is how I communicated my experiences about barbecue. And talking to a camera is very different than writing. Now, I have to even now have to kind of stop thinking like a writer and start thinking like a TV host. So that, that's, that's kind of been a piece of it. With the new show, I'm very excited about getting out in the field now. I had some great experience with this when I was in Italy doing the Italian show, which, by the way, if any of your listeners are in Italy, um, called Stephen Reichland Grills Italy, and it starts uh, airing on March 6th. And that show had about half the show as a in the field. So that was a whole new set of skills and challenges for me, which I must say I love. I love being in the field uh, doing those kinds of segments. So I'm looking forward to introducing that into the new show. Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show, uh, getting ready to shoot the new show and slash season uh, project fire it was project smoke last year it's going to be project fire this year and again that's uh that's starting memorial day weekend right Stephen? that's right all right memorial day weekend uh so 
stay tuned and uh, check your local uh, local listings. Fred, obviously, we'll pump it up here as the uh, the months go on. But uh, Stephen, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing it. Fred, you do such a great job, man. Uh, all of us in the barbecue community, uh, thank you for your uh, for your efforts and your great job. All right, I appreciate you saying that. There he is, Stephen Reichel. Come on. Oh, I got to be honest, that uh, that connection all was a little brutal. The Traeger Grills Hotline. Yeah, a little brutal. <clears throat> Had to dump out of that early. Yummy. Yeah, no uh, no fault of Stevens, of course. Uh, when you are on a, I think, did he say ten thousand acre horse farm? In the middle of nowhere, if you're telling, if you're describing where you are to me, if the phone connection, the worst thing that has happened to not only internet-based shows and terrestrial radio shows and satellite radio shows is what? What? The cell phone. Oh, dear. It is both... The best thing that has ever happened as far as a technological advancement, it is also the worst thing that has happened in regards of technical advancement, specifically as it relates to these kind of shows. You got somebody with a bad phone connection, and of course, they don't want to have a bad phone connection. I understand that. I get it. If you're out, if you're describing where you're at as being in the middle of nowhere on a however many thousand acre horse farm and that the internet and cell phone reception isn't that good. Yeah. If I can't make out 50% of what you're saying, things aren't going very well. So we'll dump out. And I had a, a bunch of great questions that I will reline up for Stephen when he gets back into a little bit better cell phone and or internet coverage, but I appreciate him taking time out before they start the shooting of this show. Project Fire. Again, it was Project Smoke for two seasons, I believe. He's already been green-lighted for a second season of Project Fire. And that's really you know, kind of what I'm interested in. When you have a cookbook and you have so many, Different recipes, different ways of doing things. How are you, A, bringing a fresh approach to it? Do you have to bring a fresh approach to it? Will people just constantly watch? If Barbecue University at the Greenbrier was on television over this weekend and I had nothing to do, like sports, because I have that going this weekend, I would sit down and watch all of the episodes from front to back. If somebody sent me all of the seasons of Barbecue University with Stephen Reichland, I would sit there and watch them over and over again. I don't know why. I just like doing it. So when you have a recipe book, how do you go through and pull out what's probably going to end up? I don't know if it's an eight-week or a 10-week show run for that Project Fire. But how do you pull out those, what is it, 24 recipes? He usually does two or three each show. Maybe a side dish, a couple main dishes some fruit, things like this. I remember back in the day on Barbecue University when he did hooli hooli chicken on the spit. He was just like glazing it with that hooli sauce. I was like, wow, this guy is a genius. And he said he was scared to death on television. I had no idea. So, Stephen, if you're listening, and I think I can speak for the majority of us who have never been on television, uh, A, if the camera was turned on us, we would be pooping ourselves. 
number one. So we're right there with you. But secondly, and perhaps more importantly, from my perspective, I had no idea that you were nervous whatsoever. Backyard Barbecue Show saying, if you're not watching the live feed, you were missing out on, I believe that image was from Primal Grill. He's got that big ranch kettle in the back. Kinger's saying, hey, I'm eyeing that Weber kettle ranch in the back, that ranch kettle in the back. Me too. I need one of those. He's also saying that Stephen recipes are easy. So that's the key. That was one of my main great, important, well-thought-out, prepared questions that I was going to be asking him, which is this. Do you think you could do chicken or ribs and pork butt and brisket in varying ways season after season, but really just like those four or five things and keep doing that, would eventually you become boring to the audience, or do you think people would tune in? Like, if you think like me, I think you could just watch it. If you vary a little bit here and there, you could probably be on for five or ten years. Or do you constantly need to push the envelope when it comes to TV in order to keep the interest? That's the question that I wanted to ask. We'll ask him next month. By the way, Sam the Cooking Guy is opening up a new taco restaurant at some point soon in the Southern California area. And we're going to be talking to him pretty soon in the next handful of weeks. How about that? Planning, thinking, and anxiety are his three keys right now. No doubt. Anything about opening a restaurant really gets me nervous. Easy to say. Not only somewhat nervous, but really nervous. I ca- For all you people that are out there that find the testicular fortitude to actually go out and open a restaurant, congratulations to you for doing that. That is tough stuff. I was talking about raw hamburger meat last week. Tiger burgers or tiger meat sandwiches. And I got an email from SM Lebs on the emails entitled Raw Hamburger Meat. Says, Greg, my grandmother started eat with me eating raw hamburger in the 70s. I love it with salt. What? Come on, SM Lebs. Are you really eating raw hamburger meat? Your grandmother was giving you raw hamburger meat in the 70s? What's your grandmother up to, SM Lebs? Wow. I don't think I want to take part in that, to be honest. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the Barbecue Guru. They are always believing in the fact that outdoor cooking should be easy. Because it can be, especially with what? The Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. The Monolith is the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. This means smarter control, greater freedom with automatic pit temperature control. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature and let the Monolith do all the work of a sous chef or a best friend barbecue pit master. With minimal effort, you now have an oven-like precision at the grill and can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. It's giving you a consistency that you really can't get anywhere else. Now, 
make a note of this. If you are a fan of the Barbecue Guru, if you have a Barbecue Guru controller already, then you don't even need to buy a controller when you purchase the Monolith Grill. It has the built-in power draft fan, as I just mentioned. You get a whole bunch of really cool accessories, but you take the controller that you have, you hook it up to the fan, you are literally off and running. You don't have to go out and buy the latest, greatest controller. Now, if you want to, might I recommend the CyberQ Cloud Controller? Let you hook up to Wi-Fi, let you start graphing and charting and archiving all these cooks. Check in wherever you want to see how everything's going. That's the high-end tech right there. However, if you have a controller already, just hook it up to the fan and you are off and running. Visit the website BBQGuru, that's G-U-R-U, BBQGuru.com or call them 800 288 G-U-R-U. That's 800-288-G-U-R-U. They will answer all of your questions. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We're back right after this with Paul Schott. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James of Barbecue Talk, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com. Your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information. Or you can purchase there as well if you would prefer to buy from the biggest online retailer in the world. You can go to Amazon.com, search Cooking Pellets, C-O-O-K-I-N, CookinPellets.com. You can purchase there as well. Don't forget, go to CookinPellets.com and download their free app. You can be alerted to great shipping rates when they happen. Also, recipes, video links, all the good stuff. My good friends over at cookandpellets.com. All right, one of the biggest barbecue competitions during the course of the year is so unprofessional. Takes place this coming weekend in Houston, Texas. My next guest will be competing in that event once again. Here to talk about it, the vice president of Head Country Rubs and Sauces. Let's go ahead and race back to the Traeger Grills hotline and welcome friend of the show, Paul Shotty. Paul, how are you, buddy? Hey, Greg. I'm doing just fine. And you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Paul. Appreciate you asking. And, uh, of course, appreciate you making time for the show, as always. So, big weekend coming up, right? We have the Houston Livestock and Rodeo slash Barbecue event coming up. Certainly one of the biggest ones in Texas. But I contend that over the last handful of years, it's not a little bit more, this is becoming one of those events that everyone, regardless of sanctioning body, is looking to shoot for and win. Have you noticed yourself kind of a rise or a uptick in popularity of this event? Oh, for sure, Greg. You know, this uh, event is uh, very popular, and people have been, you know, striving to to be there for years. And um, I I was on a waiting list for. 15 years to get in and so it's a prestigious event to to cook in that's for sure how do you get in paul do you have to just sign up on a waiting list and hope that you make it through your days before you you miss out or do you have to 
spend money somewhere and ask for a favor? How does it work? Uh, it's a combination of things. You know, obviously you have to rub shoulders with somebody you know, and that's how I got in uh, years ago. With um, I grew up in Houston and got to know uh, some people that competed in the contest uh, that were old high school friends. And uh, one thing led to another, and then with the, uh, you know, use of head country barbecue sauce and seasoning, uh, I got on board. And uh, that's where the relationship started. Now, you are the pit master of head country competition barbecue team, but if I'm not mistaken, you're kind of the, the head cook for a different name team for this event. I am. Um, you know, interestingly enough, Greg, I, I met some guys uh, over 15 years ago with uh, Wild Game Crew, and um, that's how uh, I'm on that team now and uh, got associated with those people a long time ago, uh, donating barbecue sauce and seasoning, but then started competing with them, and this will be my fourth year, and last year we did real well. We uh, ended up uh, third in ribs uh, and fifth overall. So it's just uh, camaraderie, friendship, and having a good time. When you are pitmaster of Paul Shotty's head country team, you know, you're, you're running a program one way. When you are aligned with a, a different team, but one you have been cooking for with a number of years, does the program change at all? Or how do you compare and contrast cooking as the head pitmaster for your team, Paul, and then for somebody else's or a different team? You know, uh, Greg, it. I, I take my my same concept whether I'm cooking under head country or with somebody else, and um, I just have a good time teaching people, enjoying the camaraderie, um, whether we win or not. I always like to win, but it's just a lot of fun, and um, so I, I I bring the same concept. And I will this weekend uh, with um, the people that I'm cooking with, and we'll have a good time. Paul Shotty joining me here on the show, headcountry.com. If you want to check it out, if you've never had their rubs or sauces, I highly recommend you get over there and buy it all out. Paul, this is a non-sanctioned event. If you're any type of a fan of competition barbecue, regardless, there are some sanctioning bodies out there where you have to be certified judge or you're cooking and turning in this many pieces or that many pieces. How does the Houston livestock and rodeo barbecue event transpire as far as rules and judging and all this stuff? Well, you know, it's changed a little bit this year, Greg, in the fact that it's become more of a IBCA Texas style contest in that um, if you have one space up to four spaces which is the most you can have you're going to turn in three meats uh chicken ribs brisket and so it's kind of even and leveled out the the playing field and uh it's so this is the first year 
in the years that Houston has done this contest that it's going to be a little bit different. And um, it, it'll, be, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. And uh, you're going to have to be on your game to um, hit all three categories top-notch because that's what your score is going to be based off of, not just one meet, but all three combined. So if you have one spot, you are required to then cook all three of the meats, or do you have to have three spots in order to be able to turn in all three? No. Uh, if you have one spot, you can turn in three. And hmm. uh, that's what's different than in the past. So it, it it's a different contest now than it has been uh, since the Houston Rodeo has been involved. So what's your thought on that, Paul? I mean, I, I know you're a guy that kind of likes history and how things have happened and maybe aren't anxious for a change, but you're also a progressive guy. You're in business, so you know things have to evolve in order to continue to grow and continue to be viable. Do you like the new setup? What's your thought on that? Oh, I like it a, a whole bunch. I like the way they've done it. It's a true Texas IBCA contest, and um, you know, I like I like what they've done. Last year, as you said, you were uh, top three in ribs, or you were finalist in ribs. What do you think the key to a good Houston livestock and rodeo rib is? Oh man. Greg, that's a, kind of a tough question, but, um, you know, just consistency and, um, go to the, go to the uh, game with what you have done. Uh, don't change anything and just enjoy what you're doing and, uh, just stay with the, with the program. And that's what I did. Uh, I've done that rib for a long time, and uh, God bless me. And I ended up third overall in ribs and fifth, uh, or third in ribs and fifth overall. And uh, ribs really knocked it out of the park last year in Houston because there was first, second, and fifth in ribs <laughs> were the top five. From a flavor profile standpoint, Paul, do you find that Texas is a little bit more of a savory type of a profile, or in this regard, will they like a, a bit of a sweeter rib? Uh, I would say sweet, Greg. A little sweeter. That would be my profile. There's some spots in Texas this weekend, Paul, that are expecting some fairly heavy weather, uh, rain, of course. Are you prepping for that? And I guess uh, the, the bigger question, better question would be, in general, how do you contend with weather issues when you are cooking? Are you a guy that likes to look at the forecast many days out so you can be totally prepared, or you just kind of show up and wing it and deal with whatever shows up? Well, I don't wing it, that's for sure. Never do. But um, if I would have to pick uh, a climate or weather profile, I like rain. Um, I just enjoy what uh, the humidity and dampness brings to the overall cooking process. And quite honestly, it might cut a few people out of the mix, you know, 
But on the other hand, I really enjoy, um, again, the, uh, the humidity um, and what that brings to the moisture of the meat. So I'm looking forward to a little cloudy, a little drizzly, a little rain um, down in Houston this weekend. Do you cook on the same barbecue pit that you would be competing on as head country, or do you have a different one with the wild game crew? Uh, no. I've got my same pit. Uh, I don't waver from what I'm cooking on, uh, whether I'm cooking under head country or somebody else. You know, and Wild Game Crew is um, some really good friends, and uh, they support the Houston Livestock Show on Rodeo and what they're after. And they asked me to come compete with them a number of years ago, and that's why I'm there. So uh, I'm looking forward to taking my Jambo pit down there tomorrow and um, having a good time. Paul, let me switch it up here just for a second. And uh, last question, and I appreciate the time as always. Uh, I actually got this one via Facebook from Paul saying, hey, Greg, could you ask Paul from Head Country if there are ever plans to distribute into the great white north of Canada? We love their sauces, but we can only bring so many bottles back at a time when we visit south of the border. So what do you think? Any chance of getting into Canada, or is it available up there and we just don't know it? We do have some some limited distribution in Canada through, um, you know, some distributors. So I would ask them to contact me through my uh, email, which is P-S-C-H-A-T-T-E, P-S-C-H-A-T-T-E, at headcountry.com, and I'll put them in touch with our uh, Canadian distributors. But, uh, yes, we are expanding, you know, and, uh, Greg, uh, maybe at another time we can talk about international competition, international uh, experience with barbecue. Talking to Carolyn Wells just recently at KCBS, uh, you know, International barbecue competition is huge, and those people are eager to know about what we do here in the United States. So I would like to expand on that at another time with you. Well, we're coming up on the uh, first quarter of the year, kind of coming to an end from a business standpoint at Hand Country. uh, Everything is good on your end? Oh, yeah. uh, Doing well. You know, head country, uh, if you look at the top 50 um, barbecue sauce manufacturers in the United States, we rank number eight. And uh, we're proud of that and uh, look forward to being whatever number higher we can get, you know. But, uh, Greg, it's always a a great thing to be on Barbecue uh, Central and talk about the great uh, thing about barbecuing. You can go to headcountry.com and check out the sauces and the spices. We're talking with Paul Shotty. He's going to be doing his best with the Wild Gang crew to take it all in Houston this coming weekend. 
And if he does, by the way, he doesn't know it yet, he's going to be back on the show recapping the big win. Uh, so show karma headed your way, Paul. Appreciate the time <laughs> as always, my man. Thanks so much for doing it. All right, Greg. Take care. You got it. There he is, Paul Shotty. From Head Country. All guests appear via the Traeger Grills hotline. Yummy. And that website is headcountry.com, just like it sounds, H-E-A-D. And if you have never had Head Country sauce, I mean, are you kidding me? You are doing yourself one of the larger disservices you could possibly do to yourself. Many different flavors. The apple habanero is raging across backyards and cul-de-sacs here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city. I suggest you get over there and try it. Of course, the original is outstanding as well. Hey, folks, Big Papa Smokers is the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue. Their curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies will get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at BigPapaSmokers.com has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. From award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers, Big Papa Smokers has something for every type of outdoor cook. Whether you are a backyard hack like me or competition pro, we got something for you. How about their championship rubs and seasonings, popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit and in the backyard. Big Papa Smokers offers 13 perfectly balanced flavors that will transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. Whether you're cooking to impress judges or grilling for family and friends, Big Papa Smokers does not disappoint when it comes to the rubs and the seasonings. Pick up a bottle at BigPapaSmokers.com. Looking to improve that competition flavor profile, Big Papa Smokers has combined with Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what is known as the West Coast Offense. How about sauces? Sure. They own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. It's an award-winning barbecue sauce. Look for the new go-to barbecue sauce that will please everyone. Granny's traditionally yet powerful flavor reminds us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. You can find Granny Sauce and other top-rated barbecue sauces at BigPopSmokers.com. And aside from their premium selection of rubs and sauces, they also offer the very best pellet and charcoal and wood cookers available today. Looking for a versatile smoker easy to use? Check out the Mac 2-Star Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers is the exclusive Mac dealer and even offers special packages. If you're not a fan of the pellet cookers, trust the Old Hickory Ace BP because it's the one that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. And if you're a backyard person like me looking for a durable and versatile grill that will last forever, the M Grill from Texas is just what you need. They're built like tanks. It's clear that Big Papa's is the place to go for all things barbecue. Every product featured on their website has been hand-selected to help you barbecue better. Boost your skills with the help of Big Papa Smokers, the number one online barbecue store. Call them at 877-828-0727. That's 800, I'm sorry, 877-828-0727 or shop their website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. All right, we're going to wrap the first hour as we come back. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks.
Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Thanks again to Paul Shotty for joining me last segment. Paul's a beauty, man. He is a legend, both from a pitmaster's side and business side as well. Maybe you didn't hear him say that head country, top eight barbecue sauce out of all barbecue sauces. Hey there, friend. Take a stroll down your neighborhood grocery store barbecue and grilling aisle. There's aisles these days. Remember, like five, six years ago, you might have like a quarter of an aisle, maybe. You go to Giant Eagle in Cleveland, Ohio right now, and you have a solid aisle of sauces and spices and rubs and injections and accoutrement. It's legitimate business right now, folks. Do you see all those barbecue sauces? A veritable cornucopia of different manufacturers and kinds and flavors and varying degrees of liquid smoke. Head Country is top eight. Wow. That's crazy. Their website, by the way, is headcountry.com. If you haven't checked out the sauce, highly recommend it. Paul Shotty has a great chance at winning. You know who else has a great chance at... I'm sorry. You know who else has a great chance at winning? Our Texas Embedded correspondent, Doug Shiding. Doug, who are you uh, ringering for this weekend? Who paid the Doug Shiding high-dollar hitman tab to bring you in? Doug Shiding, a world championship hitmaster, award-winning, by the way. So that'll be coming up this weekend. Again, the Smithfield guinea pig, Matt Dalton Memorial, will be taking place in California this weekend. Good luck to everybody competing there. Obviously, the Houston Livestock and Rodeo, a number of other competitions that will be taking place this weekend. Those are two notables. Darren Worth was the one that won it last year. That was kind of like the the send-off one that he's kind of won everything after that. Except for Memphis and May, right? Still hasn't won Memphis and May. We're going to be following up on that with him. That's literally the last thing. He's won everything else. That's what's left to win for Darren Worth and Sherry Worth. Will that be next on the hit list for them? I guess we'll see. I have a great story to tell you about brisket and why it is good and healthy for you. I don't know if we'll get to that this week or not. I've also been dying to get to my pork belly cubes. I'm sorry, my swine cubes. Not pork belly burnets, my swine cube cook that I did now probably well over two months ago. Maybe it hasn't been that long. Maybe it has. I got pictures. I got a whole situation as far as that's concerned that I want to talk to you about. But 
I digress. We'll step away and get ready for the second hour. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. Be right back. Barbecue Central Radio Show. And you are listening to BCRN. All barbecue and grilling all the time. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine, I just want. <laughs> You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet for wiener. Oh, listen, Laverne, face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Hello! An outstanding decision on your part, Centralites. You have found the Barbecue Central show. If you missed the first hour, what happened? Where? What? What are you doing? There couldn't possibly be anything more important than taking in this show as it is transacting live. However... Let me tell you this. If you somehow missed the first hour or you missed my interview, although a little abridged with Stephen Reichland or Paul Schotty, never fear. The show is constantly being recorded as it's happening live. That's why we do a podcast. So you can go to iTunes. You can go to Google Play. You can go to all of the varying podcast platforms and subscribe to the show. Typically, there's a search bar somewhere, and you can just type in the BBQ Central. That's usually enough, depending on what platform you're on, to pull up the show. And once you see it there with the grill and the orange and black colors and all that stuff, just hit subscribe, and when there's new content added to the podcast feed, you will be alerted right on your handheld device. Now, the easier way to do that is visit my website, thebbqcentralshow.com, and then add slash subscribe. Or you can just go to the main website and click on the subscribe button at the top right of the navigation. And then click your particular platform device. It will give you the download link. Easy to do. You can even subscribe to the podcast via email. It doesn't get it. You don't even need a smart device as long as you have a computer or a netbook or a Chromebook or a tablet. You can visit the website and sign up through email. Of course, you do have to have an email address. I am asking for a monicum of technical savvy on your part, the listener. But everybody has an email address right now, right? You can even go to the library if you don't have a computer, but you have an email address. And take in the show once a week that way. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible to consume this show at your convenience. Live is the best way. 
But if it's got to be podcast, then it has to be podcast. That's why I do it. Still to come on the show, Daniel Vaughn, Texas Monthly Barbecue. After that, Brad Taylor. Email from a listener. Hi, Greg. I just wanted to correct something in your Davy Crockett grill read. Oh, boy. Love how this is starting out. Let me tell you something. If you're starting out an email to me with, I just wanted to correct something, and you're pointing it in my direction, there's a pretty good chance we might be at odds right off the bat. However, I'm working on sensitivity, so I digress. You say that these can run off your vehicle's inverter. This isn't factually accurate. This particular model actually runs on 12 volts. It plugs directly into a cigarette lighter, therefore not needing an inverter. It's only when you use the grill on 120 volt that a converter is required. Anyway, not a huge deal, but I've heard you say that it needs an inverter for the car for a few weeks now. Figured it was worth pointing out. Okay, well, first of all, thank you for pointing out the folly in my ways. In my defense, I would just like to say that I have been calling it an inverter incorrectly the last couple weeks. And I know in my head that inverter is wrong, and I just should not say it, but I do. It's, it's bad on my part to say it. I get it. It's not right. It's not factually accurate. I don't know why I said inverter. Darn it. Because I know it's wrong. But now we're going to start pointing out one thing that's factually inaccurate about your paragraph, sir. And it is this. The part of the paragraph that says... This particular model actually runs on 12 volts. That's correct. It plugs directly into your cigarette lighter. I don't think they have those anymore. That's not factually accurate. It's just a 12-volt outlet or plug. Who smokes anymore? Somebody smoking cigarettes in a car? I don't think they have those anymore. Unless you're driving like a 1982 Datsun B210, which is a classic... Then you might have a cigarette lighter. But if it's anything in the last 10 years, there's no cigarette lighter in there. It's just a 12-volt outlet. That's factually correct. He goes on, I also have a couple questions regarding the larger Green Mountain Grill. Would you say that one imparts any more smoke flavor than the other? I've been wondering if the Jim Bowie would put out a little less smoke at a given temp than the Daniel Boone. Have you noticed the difference between the two? I plan on buying one. It will be the Jim Bowie if it puts out the same level of smoke as the Daniel Boone. If not, I'll buy the smaller Daniel Boone. I love the David Crockett. The David Crockett is a cooker that I purchased for convenience for when I don't have time to cook full-flavored barbecue on my stick burner. It sure does a nice job, though. Only thing that I really don't like is the Wi-Fi. It just isn't dependable. Not in point-to-point, point even. Have you noticed any problems with yours? Green Mountain Grill replaced the controller under warranty, and it's actually gotten a little worse. I gave up on that feature. That said, it is a cooker. Cooking meat is the important part. Laugh out loud. So let me answer some questions there. 
Uh, I have both of those cookers. I have not noticed one cooker producing more smoke than the other. Uh, I have not had the same Wi-Fi issues that you have had, uh, so maybe I'm lucky. But uh, I typically don't go for the Wi-Fi because I, you know, I just like kind of being around it and making sure everything's going okay versus depending on Wi-Fi. Not saying that anybody's depending on Wi-Fi. I get it's a great feature, but I don't notice more or less smoke being put up by the Jim Bowie or the Daniel Boone, so I think you're safe for whichever one you want. I always recommend going bigger, so Jim Bowie would be my recommendation, but it's certainly up to you. In closing, I just want you to know how much I get out of your show. Dude, you are a great service to the barbecue community. Thank you. I'm just a backyarder. So am I, by the way. But I follow all the competition stuff. I live vicariously, I guess. I can't afford to compete anyway. Plus, I really don't like the direction the competition barbecue seems to be headed. I'm in Oregon, so there's only one KCBS competition in my town. Maybe I'll try it someday. Anyway, thanks again. Appreciate that email, man. I know, busting a little bit of hump there on the top. I'm just having a little fun. As I know, he wasn't going out of his way to call me a dope on the inverter comment. Which again, in my defense, I know was wrong. I just happened to know it was wrong and continue to say it. That's my faults. No names. John Dawson weighing in with an email. Here we go. It's modicum, not monicum. Get out of here. What is this? Critique me? I'm speaking for 120 minutes straight, except for about uh, 10 seconds worth of break in between reads. And you're going to tell me about monicum or modicum? Get out of here. Come on. Monicum. It's a nonalum of advice I want to give you. Just a bit. A nonalum. Not too much. I don't want to get crazy. Email from Jeffrey. Hey, Greg, I'm listening to the show and podcast and heard Meathead's idea of a special edition. That idea totally rocks. A whole show or special edition show showcasing Meathead and maybe or maybe not Dr. Greg Blonder doing nothing but Facebook questions and email questions or whatever comes to mind. Just one humble man's opinion. Show's great as always. Jeff Stone, you can find him at Grandpa's Pride Barbecue. Thank you, Jeffrey. I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent. A tangent, you see? But Mr. Stone has one of my favorite first names ever, Jeffrey. Because, as we all know, my favorite female on Food Network is who? Who? Ina Garten, that's right. And her husband is named Jeffrey, because she loves to cook for Jeffrey and all of his friends at any point in the Hamptons, because that's where she hangs. Her mansion is in the Hamptons, kicking it with the likes of Jay-Z, H. Stern, B. Flay. I think Michael Simon's up and around there, too. Everybody's kicking in the Hamptons. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Don't worry about that.
Daniel Vaughn coming up next. Cook Shack manufactures smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you barbecue in the backyard, on the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility. Cook Shack has a unit that will do the job, and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoking, grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com. Or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. They still have one of those. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, Ed Fast Eddie Morin, who, if I'm not mistaken, is going to be on the show in maybe one or two weeks' time. So stay tuned for Fast Eddie. The FEC 100, PG-1000, always customer favorites. The PG-1000 can double as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow, hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack Residential Electric Smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call this number, 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit the website, cookshack.com. That's cookshack.com. John Dawson re-weighing in. Dude, I said no names, please. Oh, Rule number one, Violet. You have one job to speak properly. I only have a totalum of responsibilities, and I'm not meeting those. It is a gargantulous titanicism of irrespectability. I almost got that out. All right, we are back with Daniel Vaughn, Texas Monthly Barbecue Editor, right after this. Stick around, I'll be right back. Giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, championship pitmasters are winning with Smithfield. You can, too, commit to cooking with Smithfield this 2018 barbecue season, and you will receive smoking swag just for participating. Only a few requirements. Sign up, pay a small $25 shipping fee, and you have to be a member of one of the barbecue sports major sanctioning bodies. Be sure to come back and track your first place finishes in pork and ribs and win great prizes through the walk-in with Smithfield incentive program. Once a Smithfield committed cook, show us your Smithfield Hashtag, hashtag show us your Smithfield on Facebook and on the Instagrams as well. Don't forget that this is limited to 500 cooks to sign up. So again, 25 bucks. But more importantly, you do have to be 
a member of a barbecue sport sanctioning body in order to do that. All right, my first guest in the second hour was the very first full-time barbecue editor for a magazine in this here country. You also see him on this show from time to time, giving his thoughts on the world and state of barbecue. In fact, we have recently agreed to try and do a once-a-quarter meeting in 2018, so let's go ahead and race to the Traeger Grill hotline. And welcome back, barbecue editor for Texas Monthly Magazine, Daniel Vaughn, joining me. What's up, Buckeye? How's it going? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. You are a Buckeye, right? All right. Come on, come on. Yes, yes, I am definitely, definitely a Buckeye, originally from Ohio. I've been in Texas now for 17 years. What's the biggest difference? What's the biggest difference? Uh, well, I mean, you know, in Ohio, uh, it's cold all winter. And in Dallas during the winter, you never know what the temperature is going to be when you wake up in the morning. My man, today, 68 degrees. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City. Not lying. Yeah, I saw the Indians posted that uh, they're in <laughs> spring training now and that it's colder at spring training than it is in Cleveland. That's right. That's right. It happens every once in a while. We're talking with Daniel Vaughn here from Texas Monthly. Uh, Daniel, last time we spoke, we kind of talked a little bit about a golden age of barbecue. So are we still headlong in that era in your estimation? Yeah, I, uh, there's certainly nothing that's happened to dispute that. Um you know, there was um, uh, just here last week, uh, the James Beard Foundation uh, came out with some nominations for uh, for chefs and made quite a splash uh, for in the name of Pitmasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, back in 2015, uh, Aaron Franklin uh, became the first uh, Pitmaster who was named Best Chef uh, in the James Beard Award Foundation Awards. Uh, now, that was the first one to even be nominated. Right. And here, uh, just last week, they named all their semifinalists this year. And we've got uh, Whole Hog Pitmasters from South Carolina and North Carolina, and Rodney Scott of Rodney Scott's Barbecue in Charleston, uh, Samuel Jones of Sam Jones Barbecue in Winterville, North Carolina, uh, and then Tootsie Tominets uh, of Snow's Barbecue in Lexington, Texas. The uh, a first-time nominee at 82 years old. She's still still going strong in Lexington, Texas. There at Snow's Barbecue, which uh, Texas Monthly last year named best barbecue in all of Texas. So it's certainly a nomination we agree with. You wrote a great article last week, kind of detailing out that specific one. I mean, you did mention everybody else, but. Oh, you were specifically talking about Tootsie. And, you know, in my estimation, I don't know her personally. She's never been on the show, but I try and follow barbecue as much as I can outside of the competition world. And in my opinion, kind of, not even kind of, a true gem of the barbecue industry, uh, maybe even like the best gem ever, uh, that being Tootsie. She was announced as that James Beard semifinalist, as you mentioned. And the funny thing is kind of you're the one breaking the news to her via phone call, right? Right. Well, you know, I uh, I was sitting, uh, I was in the airport at the time uh, waiting on a flight, but I knew that the news was going to come out. Uh, I, I knew about the time that it was going to be released. And so I called her just minutes after, uh, just after the release. I had to kind of explain to her what the James Beard Foundation was and what the award meant. Uh, she, um, you know, Aaron Franklin, uh 
you know, he, he won the award, like I said. He was also the um, previous to Snows. He was the number one Texas monthly barbecue joint. So when, uh, when Snows was named number one, he very graciously um, went out to Snows to give uh, to give Tootsie some flowers to tell her congratulations. So uh, I, you know, I told Tootsie that this was an award that Aaron Franklin had won, and it was a really big deal. So that kind of perked her ears up, and uh, you know, then she she asked me a few more questions about it, but basically was just ready to get back to work. I mean, this she was at her day job. She works at Snow's, uh, which is oh, it's only open on Saturdays. So she was at an elementary school uh, doing maintenance, which is where she works every other day of the week <laughs> when I called her. And uh, I, she said, basically, well, I, uh, you know, she understood that this was a big award after I explained it to her. But she, you know, the, the name of the James Beard Foundation didn't really mean a whole lot to her, so she basically signed off with, uh, "Well, I'll I'll try to get excited about this. I'll work at that the rest of the day here while I'm messing around with maintenance and little uh, ankle biters, right?" Right, exactly. So I'm, I'm guessing she had more conversations that day that uh, with you know Carrie Bexley, the owner at Snows, and probably a few more folks congratulating her that maybe brought it home just how just how meaningful that nomination was. Do you have any idea how they go about from a picking standpoint or, or what benchmarks they're using in order to, to get these nominations out? You know, I don't. Um, so I know that uh, Pat Sharp, who is our food editor at Texas Monthly, I know she's on the committee, um, but uh, I don't know. And I, and I know a few other people who are on the committee. It's a rather large committee. But I don't really know what sort of um, what sort of arguments they have back and forth, or um, you know, they they're looking for people who really are making a mark, um, and you know, people who are at the best at their game. Uh, I think just you know, since with three pitmasters uh, this year being semifinalists, with with Aaron Franklin winning it in 2015, there's a definite shift towards. Um, you know, towards categories that might not have been considered, you know, for the elevated status of a James Beard Award. You know, it's usually been reserved for like white, uh, white tablecloth chefs and, you know, just basically for fancy places. Um, and they, they really reserve their America's Classics Award. That was the award that they handed out to, you know, places like burger joints or barbecue joints or, uh, you know, taco houses, places like that. So, um, you know, it really shows uh, the fact that there's three pitmasters this year really does show a shift in, in their attitude towards, towards what these people really mean to the culinary world. Daniel Vaughn joining me here on the show. TMBBQ.com is his website. Definitely worth the read each and every day or uh, however often you can get to that. From a pitmaster's standpoint, Daniel, I mean, nobody has access and knowledge and being around these folks more than you. Is she one of the best ones out there currently? And if so, how long has she been at the top of her game? Well, you know, she's been cooking barbecue uh, since, well, she's been cooking barbecue for over 50 years now. Uh, you know, she uh, learned at the city meat market in Giddings. Uh, then she and her husband had their own place in Lexington. Uh, and then now she's, of course, working at Snow's, as she has for the past 15 years. I mean, she's she's an amazing cook. 
certainly amazing at barbecue. Uh, one of the things that really sets her apart, though, is the fact that she really cooks in an older style. Uh, mm-hmm. So many pit masters these days uh, rely on offset smokers or uh, some of them rely on those gas-fired rotisseries for much more ease in cooking. And she really does it the old way, which is burning wood down to coals, uh, shoveling them underneath, uh, you know, shoveling them into a pit and cooking meat directly over them. So, you know, you, you go in there, if you go back to, uh, go back to the pits at snows, which, you know, you can sit at a picnic table and watch Tootsie work as you eat. Uh, you can, you can see all the smoke rising from these big steel pits and watch her shovel in the coals and, and bringing them from the big feeder fire, uh, over to the pits. See all that smoke billing up billowing up out of there she'll lift the lids to to mop the meat with her uh special recipe mop sauce and uh you know you you hear that sizzle and just that unmistakable smell of fat dripping down onto coals it's Mm -hmm. uh it's really just a fun place to go eat just to watch that show open only one day a week on saturday so is it just to kind of keep the nostalgia and the the name around or is it a viable business one day a week well it's a it is a viable business one day a week i mean wow. you know tootsie like i said she has a a day job as well um she also runs about 25 head of cattle on her uh, on her land Jeez. outside of lexington and then carrie bexley who's the owner he does some real estate uh in the area as well but um you know they also do a lot of shipping as well so they come in on uh on Saturdays to cook for the public but uh, on Tuesdays they do a cook as well to be able to ship all the all the smoked meat that they send across the country um uh, but no it, it's certainly not something where it was a 7 day a week business and they pared it down to one just so they can keep going it, it's in a, a a rural area of central texas where Saturday barbecue was has been a long time long time tradition uh, where the the meat markets in the area would would sell raw meat all week and then whatever meat was left over in the cases would would get cooked up for barbecue to be served on Saturday. Um, they're also right down the street from a Saturday cattle auction. So uh, Lexington Lexington is where um, a lot of cattle buyers and sellers show up on a Saturday morning at that auction barn and was a place that they would always stop for for breakfast. Uh, it opens not not only does it only open on Saturday, uh, it opens at eight o'clock in the morning. Oh wow! And they're usually they're usually sold out by noon. So <laughs> it's it, <laughs> it's barbecue for breakfast in Lexington. Great story there, uh, Daniel Vaughn, joining me here on the show. Daniel, let's talk about these two words because I think. James Beard awards being handed out and uh, people being nominated, as you said, traditionally known in those higher or fine dining establishments with uh, the word chef. So let's talk about that word first. Can we really call these barbecue nominees like a Tootsie or an Aaron Franklin or uh, uh, Sam Jones or you know whoever a chef? Have they gone to culinary school? Have they graduated? with these requirement documentation, or should we not be using the word chef? Well, you know, I think the, the word chef is, uh, it's, it's just showing that they are to be held in the same esteem um, as anybody who's wearing their whites to work. Um, you know, I've, I've had an argument with some other chefs who felt like they were slighted uh, because pitmasters are moving in on their turf. 
Um, and they, they feel like that there should be some sort of separate category for a pit master, um, in, you know, in, instead of putting them directly up against the chefs. And, and my retort back was, uh, you know, well, what about the, what about the figurehead chefs? What about those chefs who now have, you know, 12 or 15 restaurants and they don't cook at any of them anymore? You know, they just go back and forth and do quality control and, and maybe help set up the menu, but they're not doing everyday cooking. But those chefs, they're still plenty eligible to be put up for these awards. So, you know, if, if we're not creating a separate category for them, um, just because these uh, these incredibly talented cooks happen to be, you know, cooking their meat over fire um, instead of over a gas burner. I don't think they should be uh, slighted in any way. But isn't the delineating factor, the education or the documentation portions, isn't that what separates a cook from a chef? No, I really don't think so. Really? You know, if you talk to... I think if you talk to most chefs these days and they and you ask their advice, uh, should I come work at your restaurant to learn or should I go to culinary school? They would say, come to my restaurant to learn. Right. If you feel like you need to go to culinary school later, go ahead. But uh, there are plenty of, of well-known chefs out there that never went to any, you know, never went to an hour of culinary school. They just learned everything that they uh, ever knew in a kitchen. Let's talk about this term as well, because we've mentioned it a couple of times, pit master. What does that mean? How do you yeah, define well, pitmaster? You, know, you know, pitmaster. Pitmaster is one of those that there's certainly been discussion about the way it's used uh, in Texas Monthly. We use it much more liberally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use it kind of in the way that you would use the term chef. Uh, the term chef uh, doesn't really designate the fact that they have, uh, you know, that a, that a person has really mastered a craft. It's really about a position in a kitchen. Um, and that's the way that we use the term pitmaster. It is the the lead person in that kitchen who's in charge of the barbecue. Uh, oftentimes in Texas, especially at, at smaller barbecue joints, that happens to be the owner as well. Um, and you know, in the way we use it, it doesn't always uh, it it isn't only applied to people who have a specific level of mastery in barbecue cooking. So um, maybe the way we use it at Texas Monthly is a little misleading, but, um, you know, then again, if we start separating it out, uh, when do you come, you know, when do you, when do you graduate from being a pit hand to, uh, uh, to a barbecue cook to a pit master? Like, you know, that, that could be a, you could really put a slight on someone uh, really put a dig into somebody by, you know, no longer referring to them as a pit master um, and maybe just referring them to a, as, a, as a barbecue cook or a, a pit cook or a pit hand. Thus the wonderfulness of me hosting a show where we can dig into two words and I can try and figure out the devil's advocate point on every point that you're making. That's why I love having you on. Uh, Daniel Vaughn joining me here on the show. Talk to me about devil sauce. What's devil sauce? And you are currently like on the lookout or on a mission to make the best devil sauce. Well, you know, devil sauce is one of those terms that, that came up in some of my searches and, um, you know, looking at old newspapers and old barbecue stories really came up when I was searching for um, searching through some of Frank X. Tolbert's uh, old stories in the Dallas Morning News and the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. He started writing back in the 30s uh, and wrote all the way up through the 70s. 
So certainly put a lot of miles uh, driving around, eating all kinds of different cuisine all around the state, but uh, really had a heavy focus in barbecue. He's probably a lot more well-known for uh, for chili. Uh, he founded a chili competition in Terlingua, a really famous mm-hmm. one. And uh, he had a, um, you know, there's still a, a restaurant here that bears his name, Tolbert's in Grapevine, that's famous for their chili, or uh, they don't really call it chili, they call it their bowl of red, uh, which designates the fact that it's, uh, you know, it is it is ground meat and uh, roasted chilies uh, rather than uh, being a bean soup. And so, anyway, Frank Tolbert, as he was as he was going around the state, he would uh, he would write in in detail about some of the different barbecue that he would encounter. And one of those things that he uh, talked a lot about was a devil sauce. And he always seemed to be chasing this devil sauce of a, a guy named Will King Solomon. Uh, great name, but uh, <laughs> Will King Solomon. We don't know much more about him than the fact that he was a barbecue cook in East Texas in the 30s and 40s. Um, and he had this sauce that uh, it was a thin vinegary sauce with a little tomato, a lot of chili peppers, and uh, certainly a lot of heat to it. And, you know, in Frank's writing, you would uh, talk longingly about the sauce and, and, and the fact that he was so sad he never got a recipe for it. But uh, he would find these other devil sauces from these other pitmasters, and it was always a comparison back to how well did Will how how well did it compare to Will King Solomon's sauce? And he would he would again ask for different recipes, and some some uh, pitmasters would give him the recipe, some would hold it back, and and he published a few of them, and you know I, I, so I decided to make a few of them. You know, you find a a barbecue sauce recipe that uh, that Frank Tolbert is touting back in the seventies. Why not give it a try? Sure. So. Um, I made it, and I made one of them that he said was particularly close to Will King Solomon's, and it was good. It just wasn't all that spicy. Um, and, and some of the some of the ways he had described the sauces that he was trying these these other devil sauces that some were so hot that you had to put an ice pack between your shoulder blades <laughs> to be able to to be able to down it comfortably. Um, and so you know, I just went I went about concocting my own version. Um, adding in some of my own ingredients and making it a whole heck of a lot spicier, adding a lot more cayenne and uh, and hot sauce. Um, you know, it's a uh, the sauce the the sauce that came out of it is it's an older style sauce. It's not a sweet barbecue sauce. It's certainly not one that you're going to pick up on a store shelf and squeeze on your finger and think it's tasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it it packs a punch. And you know, one of the ways in which I which I like to judge barbecue sauces, especially barbecue sauces that I'm going to use on barbecue uh, rather than like on French fries or <laughs> something else, yep. is the, the sauces that I generally prefer are ones that I don't like on their own. If you like it on its own, then chances are it's probably too sweet. <laughs> right. And uh, so, you know, I was, you know, you, you, you concoct this, I concocted this devil sauce and you know, kept trying it and, and kept trying to dial it in. But really what I had to do is put it on some barbecue. Um, so instead of, you know, I, I went the lazy route and instead of making my own barbecue at home, I just, uh, bottled it up and took it over, took it around to a couple of my favorite barbecue joints sure. in, in the area and poured it over top and, and kind of dialed in the spice level then. Um, and so it was, it was just a fun kind of satisfying thing to do to, um, uh, to, 
try and look back at some of these old recipes, learn from learn from some of the masters who have uh, come before and and kind of put my own twist on it. Is there a recipe around somewhere? Or are you still waiting to post? Yeah, yeah. I, I did post the recipe up. It's on uh, TMBBQ uh, along with some of the history of um, of devil sauces in Texas. Daniel Vaughn is the editor for Texas Monthly Barbecue when it uh, is out. Uh, again, the website, tmbbq.com. Get the devil sauce and see all the stuff that Daniel's writing about. And once a quarter, you will see him right here on this show. Daniel, always appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much. Yeah, great talking to you. Thank you. You got it. There he is. Daniel Vaughn, Texas Monthly All Barbecue. Appear That's via right. the Traeger Grills Hotline. Mm-mm-mm. Yummy. And finally, we have a spirited debate on the word chef and the word pitmaster because I truly believe in this regard especially... That's when you can have that conversation. Plus, Daniel, not afraid to stand his ground on something that uh, he believes he is right on. And uh, I have no problem standing my ground on flip-flopping all around to make sure that we're looking at uh, all angles. (laughs) Green Mountain Grills, folks, one of the longest-running sponsors of the Barbecue Central show. I was just talking about that top of the second hour The Jim Bowie, the Daniel Boone, the Davy Crockett. If you are somebody that likes to camp, if you're somebody that is really big into tailgating, kind of going out of tailgating season right now, but maybe you are getting into a camping season or you like to fish and you're going to be bringing your vehicle along or you have some type of a power supply to either plug into or you have that 12 volt that you can go into your car with, you can run that Davy Crockett. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, because it is so portable and not incredibly heavy, Am I sacrificing capacity and quality in order to bring it with me wherever I go? That is absolutely 100% false. It is completely portable. It has a ton of capacity. And it cooks tremendously. Just look at the email I just got from the guy saying, Hey, when I don't want to deal with my stick burner, I use the Davy Crockett and it turns out some great barbecue. Remember, pellet-driven pellets are compressed wood. So you're getting that full wood burn. Pellet cooker is known for a little bit more of a lighter smoke. So if you really like the heavy smoke, you might want to get a smoking tube, which they sell at GreenMountainGrills.com as well. Add a little bit more smoke into that cooking process. Now, if you're really not into the travel scene like me, you don't need the portable thing. I mean, it's certainly nice to have. You know my thought on things. You can't have near enough cookers. You never know what you're going to run into. you got to have all the options. The Daniel Boone is the next step up. You can fit probably five, six Pork butts in there without pans. Jim Bowie up from there. You can probably go into the eight pork butt category if you needed to. A little less if you're going to house them in pans. But again, running off the same idea, pellet hopper, put in the pellets that you like, set the temperature in five degree increments all the way up to 500 degrees. You can bake, you can smoke roast, you can kind of grill in there too. I mean, you can get to grilling temperatures. You can uh, adjust the deflector plate to kind of have that open fire access. Really good stuff. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. Again, longtime supporter of this show. Happy to have them aboard for as long as I have Jason Baker and the gang out there. Top quality, top-notch individuals. Constantly innovating, constantly bringing new things to the pellet grill world. And we appreciate them being part of this show. Again, GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. Brad Taylor coming up after this. Stick around, be right back.
continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. The segment brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. What? Yeah, you heard me. Six different temperatures simultaneously. You can connect to Wi-Fi or cloud-based monitoring or connect via the Bluetooth. The red, white, and blue hoo-hoo tooth. And if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your hizzle, you are in luck because Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com. That's F-I-R-E board, fireboard.com, or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. Helping me close the show tonight, owner of a barbecue restaurant called Barbecue for Life. Located in Boise, Idaho. You would recognize the name because I covered the story last week about his lightness being used by Dickie's Barbecue Pit on their, I think, to-go bags. Without his consent, of course. So let's learn a little bit about this whole deal, how it has since been resolved. We head to the Traeger Grills hotline and welcome first timer to the show, Brad Taylor. Brad, how are you, buddy? How's it going? I'm uh, good. How are you? Yeah, doing absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you making time for the show this evening, Brad. And uh, when it was brought to your attention that something that appeared to be you uh, your knuckles uh, kind of gracing that Dickie's barbecue pit bag. Where were you? How did you find out? Uh, and then we'll kind of build in from there. So January of last year, I started getting uh, random emails from people, um, you know, saying, well, I didn't know you were working with Dickie's and clearly I wasn't working with Dickie's. So <laughs> I went to a local one here and walked in and asked if I could buy one of the cups and, uh, so the, the lady handed me the cup, and I, I kind of held it up to her, and she goes, why are you on our cups? And I said, that's a great question. I'd like to know. So, um, you know, I started kind of digging into it and found out that the, the artwork was all related to their 75-year anniversary. So I knew it had a, or I assumed it had a shelf life on it anyways. Um, I had spoken with a trademark lawyer and all of that stuff, and just at the time, I didn't have the money to do anything. And through the course of all of that, I, I knew that one of the, you know, like local places knew about it. So I, you know, I'm, I'm sure they probably called corporate and said, Hey, this is going on. So I just let it rest and got back to work. Our, our, our restaurant's been growing like crazy anyway. So I didn't have a ton of time to deal with it. Um, and it all sort of disappeared. So I didn't think about it anymore. And, uh, about, a month ago or something like that um i happened across the dickies catering and all of the bags were there with my uh with my my ugly mug and my knuckles on it what did you think like how do, how do they come across did they you think they were just like google imaging barbecue stuff to stick on bags and they saw you and i mean certainly if you i'm showing your picture up here and then i'm doing a close up on the fingers you certainly have a unique look when it comes to marketing and catchy stuff as it relates to a barbecue specifically, I mean, that's their business, right? So do you think they just did like a Google yeah. image or, and just stuck it on there? My, my, if I had to bet money on how it happened, my bet would be that, you know, some new graphics guy got a, you know, got the project put in, the, in their lap and went online and 
Googled a bunch of barbecue images and, you know, thought, oh, look, that looks really cool. I like that guy's knuckles. I'm going to use that and, and just ran with it. And nobody ever double checked it. And they, they went ahead and used it all. Any flattery? That would be my assumption. Any flattery on your part or just trying to figure out how the hell you could get it off there potentially? Uh, I think a lot of people that, that are listening would, would understand it. I wasn't flattered. I was, I was extremely offended. You know, like when you, when you build a, a restaurant, you, you know, it's your, it's your whole life. It's everything. It's, it's all we do. Um, it's for five years now. It, that's our whole existence. And to have somebody come and just sort of take parts of it um, was pretty maddening, to be honest. Did you feel like, hey, we're we're dickies and we're just gonna do whatever we want? And if you're just a little guy, you're probably just gonna have to suck it up and take it for as long as we run these bags out. Do you think they were trying to run roughshod? Yeah, well, this time around. So you know, the, when it originally happened, I wasn't all that offended because I could I could rationally see a way that it had accidentally happened. Um, but this time around, that's that's when it really got under my skin, and and you know. I kind of put it out there that, Hey, this is kind of a jerk move. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, the first time it was an accident. Second time, I, I can't see how that was an accident. So there was talk about sending a cease and desist. I don't know if that actually ever transpired or if it was more, again, a, a local news outlet or two making calls down. Uh, how does it end up resolving itself this time or, or has it not? So, well, they, they actually put out a statement um in regards to the whole issue they didn't apologize they said hey we we were a small business once and we we love small businesses and competition we're going to we're you know we don't like this confusion either so we're going to discontinue using the the bags in the boise market and other markets <laughs> so it did, did no apology and no we're definitely pulling it from everywhere just sort of a vague well we're going to pull it from your market and maybe some others so I did see the words hardcore carnivore above your likeness as well. I associate those words with somebody else in the barbecue with and grilling up. industry, Jess Pryles, who appears on the yep. show from time to time. Was there anything else on that bag that you saw that might have pertained to somebody else in the industry? So once I had put it, well, not in the, not in the barbecue industry mm-hmm. that I saw, but the the bulk of that artwork is actually taken from a graphic designer's project from uh, two, uh, two, 2012. Wow. And she said she she somehow saw my post and said, hey, that was my work, and they don't have my permission to be using it either. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. so, yeah, just just the whole and, – and like I said, I can see where, you know, it could have coincidentally happened, I guess. <laughs> but uh, But it doesn't look like they actually care if they were taking somebody else's stuff anyways. So let me play devil's advocate here just for a second. If the second time when they get contacted, they contact you privately and say, hey, Brad, you know, this is Dickie from Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Can we keep the likeness and the knuckles on the bag? We'll give you 150 grand, let us run it through the end of the year, and then we'll be done with it. Is that a is that a conversation you'd be willing to have or no way? Um... Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, everybody, I could use money for sure, but um, <laughs> that would feel dirty. That would feel, 
it would be disingenuous, you know, because I, I, I'm not, I'm not supporting their barbecue, you know, um, and I've worked too hard for for what I've got to let somebody else use it. So I don't think so. So issue for now resolved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as long assuming that they're pulling everything, all of that, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know, we'll just see. To be honest, I, I would have I would have preferred to never even have been in this position, you know. Uh, but um, hopefully, it's over. Hey, you get on the really big barbecue show when you're in this position. That's great, yeah, right? right? No doubt. That's pretty awesome. So let's yeah. talk about Barbecue for Life, the restaurant. Uh, the website, by the way, BBQ, the numeral four, life.net. That's .net, so yeah. check that out here while we're talking. What kind of a barbecue culture is in Boise? So there isn't. Um, <laughs> there's... <laughs> There's, I mean, there's a, there's a handful of good barbecue restaurants where people are actually putting, you know, real barbecue out, which is great. Um, but you know, aside from competition influenced backyard barbecue people, Mm -hmm. there's no barbecue culture here whatsoever. So, and that can be a little bit frustrating (laughs) when you're putting the restaurant together, because you've had kind of. I don't know if different iterations over time is the right thing to say, but you've been kind of paired up with some other businesses. You're doing a your own yeah. thing, or you're you're being uh, paired with like a barbecue sauce company. But you've struck out yeah. uh, since then and made it barbecue for life. When you're putting together the menu, um, I see there's some vegan options in there as well. How are you putting together that menu to push the barbecue agenda as you see fit, but then also be viable in the Boise, Idaho area? So what I, what I basically what I've done is, you know, when, when I originally started out, we had the barbecue that I built and mounted to the back of my truck, and we had a travel trailer that I had converted into a kitchen. Um, so we had extremely limited space, so the menu was extremely limited. I think to start out, we had tri-tip baby back ribs and pulled pork and a couple of sides, and that was it. Um, so we did that for about seven months and then moved into, and during that time we paired up with a local sauce company. We took on their name. They were supplying us with sauce. Um, it worked for both of us. Uh, we moved into another rest, uh, a restaurant that was attached to a hotel. Um, so there we were able to start expanding the menu a little bit, but I don't like adding a ton of, um, things to our inventory. So it's all sort of spinoff stuff. You know, the, the trimmings from the tri-tip I can then grind and now we're making meatballs, uh, hamburgers. And, you know, now that I've got a grinder, now we got a pork sausage as well. And it just sort of grow, our menu sort of grows that way. Um, so I haven't added too many traditional sort of barbecue items to the menu. Um, it's more like, you know, we do our own pastrami from the ground up starting with tri-tip and we do our own bacon from the ground up. Um, so, you know, it's getting there. People are definitely, barbecue is still getting more and more popular as time moves on. So it's changing a little bit, which is nice. Did you go to culinary school? Are you a chef or are you just a guy that likes to cook and have mastered the craft? No, sadly. I mean, if you go back, say even 2008, I was a complete food moron. Like (laughs) microwave burritos, bologna and cheese sandwiches. I happily ate at Fridays and Red Robin and all of that. Um, and then uh, the a friend of mine got you know was getting into competition barbecue, 
and brought me along and then I got hooked and it just sort of grew from there. And that's sort of where the barbecue for life thing comes from. Um, you know, when you're finishing up, you've done turn-ins and now you got to clean up camp and get ready to, you know, kill time between waiting for awards, all of that, that really frustrating time, I would sarcastically say barbecue for life, you know, to, to the other guys on the team. So that's where that part came from. But yeah, I had no food training. No, I had never worked in a restaurant. <clears throat> Just, you know, four hard years of, uh, of competition barbecue. Is tri-tip the most popular meat dish on the menu? Um, no, it's actually, so we do a little meat sampler with baby backs, tri-tip and pulled pork. And that's actually, that sells the most. And then second is probably all the different variations of pulled pork between the sandwiches, a couple other sandwiches and stuff. Um, but the tri-tip does pretty well too. When did you decide to put BBQ, the numeral four and the life on your knuckles? So that was in <laughs> 2014, probably wow. right at the beginning of summer. Um, I had, I had, I think I had just talked to a couple of the guys that I used to cook with and, you know, we had said it during that conversation and later on that day, I just happened to be looking at my hands and I was like, holy crap, it would actually fit on my knuckles. So I did it just, and then sent the picture to them so that they could get a kick out of it. And that's, that's really it. There's nothing, <laughs> nothing much more to it. I guess you could say that at that point, my whole life and my wife's whole life was all about barbecue. So, you know, maybe part of me was like, all right, if you're really committed to this, let's do this. Pretty genius. How bad did that hurt? Uh, it actually hurt a lot. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I was, I was really surprised at how much it hurt. Um, and I haven't been tattooed since. <laughs> Th those are, well, that's, those aren't your only tattoos, but that was the one that drove no. you out of getting tattoos. <laughs> yeah, that was good for me. I'm probably good till until uh, I come out of my midlife crisis. Maybe then I'll get another one. If you are in Boise, Idaho, you want to check out Barbecue for Life. Again, the website is BBQ, the numeral four, life.net. Again, that's bbqforlife.net, and it's Brad Taylor who owns the place. Brad, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much for doing it. Thank you. I appreciate you paying attention to it. it you got it. Absolutely. Brad Taylor, everybody. Barbecue for life. All guests appear via the Traeger like Grills hotline. WWF. Yummy. NWO for life. Yeah. What a great story that uh, he is. Let me tell you something. Uh, I don't want to sit here and brag on how great first-time guests are, but let me recount. As first-time guests go... Brad Taylor wins. Wins. Got out with 30 seconds to spare. Didn't overtalk. Didn't um, didn't uh, didn't get lost in thought. Engaging, charismatic, good storyteller, all things from a host standpoint that makes you radio gold. Whether you do it on the internet, whether you do it on terrestrial or satellite or whatever. That's if you want to know what a good guest sounds like, he sounds like Brad Taylor. Right there. Especially impressed with the non-over-speaking or over-storytelling. Succinct, to the point, not under-sharing, but not over-sharing. Great stuff. Thank you, Brad. Appreciate that.
So let me tell you about the National Barbecue and Grilling Association, the IMBBQ2018.com. That's the website if you want to check it out. Middle of next month, I will be flying in on the 14th, which is a Wednesday evening, setting up the live remote. Maybe getting some people in to test it out with. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday of March, I will be doing live shows from the IMBBQ 2018 conference. Current guests locked in already weeks in advance on Friday. Five-time Memphis and May World Grand Champion Chris Lilly from Big Bob Gibson's is in. Sam Jones is also in on Friday from Skylight. Also in the mix, the barbecue podcast luminaries, such as Sean Walchef from Cali Comfort Barbecue and Behind the Smoke, Barbecue War Stories. Of course, my man Yanni will be in from Best Barbecue. Yanni is in. And his man Stover, they will be covering the National Barbecue and Grilling Association. So looking forward to catching up. Uh, There's a very good chance that we'll have a live podcast summit on either Thursday or Saturday. Also, potentially scheduled Myron Mixon, four-time grand champion over at Memphis and May, plus multiple-time grand champion through FBA and KCBS. Really, like, one of the most prolific competition barbecuers ever. Mike Mills is tentatively scheduled for Thursday. Uh, His daughter, Amy Mills, also tentatively scheduled. So, a host of barbecue who's who. A lot of people aren't going this year, which is kind of disappointing, but... I will be there. That's mid-March, imbbq2018.com. Register if you're going to be around Dallas-Fort Worth. Stick around. We'll be right back to wrap the show. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpey. All right, welcome back. Email from John Dawson. Brad is gold is the subject. His tri-tip sandwich, seriously legit. Thank you, John. John actually lives in Boise. One of the few. The hinterlands, as he would say. All right, let's go ahead and break out all the way back in the first hour we talked with none other than Stephen Reichland. A little bit of bridge, but that's all right. BarbecueBible.com. He is getting ready to shoot Project Fire starting tomorrow. TV show. That's going to start airing Memorial Day weekend. Look forward to that. Early March, his Italian barbecue and grilling show is going to start airing in Italia, if you live out there. Then we talked with... Paul Shoddy, he's going to be trying out the competition chops at Houston Livestock Rodeo. Second hour, we talked with Daniel Vaughn, tmbbq.com, about Tootsie getting nominated for that or being a semifinalist for a James Beard Award, as well as some other barbecuers. And we ended the show with Brad Taylor from Barbecue for Life in Boise, Idaho, with his likeness being ripped 
by Dickies. Week. Big show planned for you next week already. So let me leave you with this. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. And until we meet again next week, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.